Hi, and welcome to the Part 3 with me podcast. The show that helps Part 3 students jumpstart into their careers as qualified architects and also to provide refresher episodes for practicing architects. I am your host, Maria Scudari. Following on from last week's episode, this week we'll be concluding the RIB work stages uh, 4 to 7. Um, this episode is also under PC2 clients, users and delivery of services of the part 3 criteria. Uh, and let's jump start into today's um, REBA work stages. So we'll be covering, as I mentioned, stage 4, which is technical design, stage 5, manufacturing and construction, stage 6, handover, and stage 7, uh, which is use. And to quickly recap what I discussed last week, um, we'll, I'll quickly recap stage zero to three. So stage zero is about determining the client's requirements and defining their business case. Um, the client's requirements should be aligned with the project budget from the beginning if a project is viable. Stage one is to develop the detail of the brief and making sure that everything needed for the design process is in place before stage two. Then at stage two, um, is about getting the design concept right and making sure that the look and feel of the building is proceeding in line with the client's vision, brief and budget. The key challenge of this stage is to make sure that the tasks that are undertaken meet the stage objectives. The architectural concept should be signed off at this stage along with the project brief. And you can potentially submit planning application from this stage if this is the case then a mid-stage gateway should be set to focus on the tasks necessary to ensure that all the information required for the application is undertaken and achieved and that the design is robust enough for development once planning consent is granted. And lastly, stage three is to spatially coordinate the design before preparing the detailed information which is required for manufacturing and constructing the building. So the information at the end of the stage needs to be coordinated sufficiently to avoid all but the most minor of iterations at stage four and to make sure that the planning application is based on the best possible information. So let's move on to the next um, four stages of today's episode. Uh, let's start with stage four, technical design. So who needs to be involved at this stage? So at this stage, it will be the design team and specialist subcontractors employed by the contractor. So under some forms of procurement, a client monitoring team may be appointed to review the information produced uh, and to act on behalf of the client. So the key aim and outcome from stage four is to produce all the design information to manufacture and construct the project. Uh, the core documents to be used for stage four include the responsibilities matrix, the information requirements, and the design program. And all will be informed and developed from the chosen procurement strategy. So the responsibilities matrix that was first produced at stage one will be further refined um, at this stage, and it will define whether the design team will deliver perspective information or descriptive information for each building system. The prescriptive information can then be used for construction purposes with the descriptive information to be issued where a specialist subcontractor will design 
a building system for manufacturing or construction. So the cho chosen procurement strategy will indicate when the building systems will be designed, which in turn informs the design program. So if you're using a design and build two-stage tender, then stage four will be split into two parts, uh, for example, or if you're using traditional procurement, uh, specialist subcontractors will design building systems after the building contract has been awarded. So the chosen procurement strategy might also influence the structure of the project team. For example, on a design and build contract, the design team may be novated to the construction team. Uh, at this stage, you also have the building regulations application, which should be made uh, before work commences on site, alongside discharging any pre-commencement planning conditions that may have been stated with the planning consent. So at this stage is when the building contract should be agreed and signed to allow stage five to commence. So a stage report is usually not required for stage four. Now, when it comes to specific project strategy tasks, uh, which covers cost, fire strategy, health and safety, inclusive design, planning, plan for use and sustainability, these may not form part of the core tasks set out on the work stages template, but they are additional tasks the RABA highly advises client design and construction teams to consider when going through the various stages of progression of a project. So starting with cost, the formal cost plan will need to be updated to a level of detail defined by the chosen procurement strategy, including a detailed elemental analysis of cost, together with a full bill of quantities, uh, unit cost items or pricing schedules. So the final cost plan will then become a pretender cost estimate. So returned uh, tenders or contractor proposals at this stage should then be checked and compared against the cost plan, the quality aspirations, the building regulations and project strategies and identify if any alternatives have been proposed to reduce costs. So any variations to the technical design should be monitored at this stage and reported against the cost between the point the tenderers are invited and up to the point that the contractor has been appointed. So make sure to identify any project risks and uncertain areas of work where provisional sums may be required. Then moving to fire strategy and fire safety, Necessary measures should be taken to undertake technical design, including final specifications to manufacture and construct a fire safe building and to include passive and active fire protection measures, uh, means of warning and escape and access and facilities for firefighting. So the fire safety technical design information, including the final specifications, should be prepared and coordinated to manufacture and construct the building and to be reviewed against any insurer or warranty provider requirements and building use management and maintenance requirements. So the fire safety requirements should then be included in the tender information or the employee's requirements and reviewed um, against the tender returns or contractors' proposals, including any alternatives proposed to reduce costs against uh, fire safety outcomes. Uh, at this stage, suitable contractors and fire safety subcontractors uh, should be identified and brought on board. And following the initial review of the building regulations, Part B, Part A, Part M, and Regulation 7, 
At this stage, requirements from these documents should have been incorporated into the technical design and addressed in full and submit a building regulations applications. So when it comes to health and safety, um, any stage three or final residual risks to health and safety should be identified, uh, recorded and analysed and eliminated where possible or otherwise eliminated in the technical design. So any identified residual risks should be recorded alongside the necessary control measures within the final pre-construction information that is then handed over to the principal contractor. So health and safety requirements should be included within the tender information or employer's requirements and reviewed against the tender returns or contractor's proposals, including any alternatives proposed to reduce costs against uh, the requirements to secure health and safety uh, of any person affected by the project. So the construction phase plan should then be prepared during this stage alongside the updated health and safety file. Uh, this is also when the F10 form should be submitted to the HSE if required. And next we have uh, the inclusive design, which should at this stage have addressed the Equality Act 2010 and Building Regulations Part M requirements and have submitted a Building Regulations application demonstrating compliance to these uh, regulations. So the design team would progress the technical design at this stage, including final specifications to manufacture and construct an inclusive building. So the design would then be coordinated between the design team and specialist subcontractors and the manufacturing information, construction information and final specifications. So following determination of the technical design, the inclusive design requirements would then need to be included in the tender information or employer's requirements and reviewed against the tender returns or contractual proposals, uh, including any alternatives proposed to reduce costs against inclusive design outcomes. Then for planning, any necessary supplementary design information to confirm details required before the planning permission can be implemented uh, should be developed and prepared and submit an application to discharge any pre-commencement planning conditions. Also, at this stage, you should consider if any non-material or minor material amendment applications are required and prepare them accordingly for submission to the local planning authority. So if material amendments are required, then a new planning application will need to be submitted and a list of the planning conditions will need to be included within the tender information or employer's requirements and on receipt of the tender returns or contractors' proposals, they should be reviewed against the planning conditions. And looking ahead to the plan for use, uh, regular reviews should be maintained of the record of performance risks against the technical design with the design team and design out or control as many performance risks as possible and identify strategies for managing the ones that remain. Also, uh, you should include appropriate instructions for plan for use activities for the remaining stages uh, in the tender information or employer's requirements, including a handover strategy and aftercare plan and the requirements for facilities management information to operate the building effectively and enable it to perform as expected. Then review the tender returns or contractors' proposals against the record of performance risks uh, project outcomes and sustainability outcomes and coordinate the design team and specialist subcontractors uh, manufacturing information 
construction information and final specifications with the record of performance risks. And lastly, looking into the sustainability strategy, uh, following the identified performance risks at stage three, the technical design should be developed to achieve the target sustainability outcomes. Um, so it should be coordinated uh, with a design team and specialist subcontractors, uh, manufacturing information, construction information and final specifications, embedding the target sustainability outcomes and the plan for use strategy within them. And make sure to update any target commitments, for example, to reduce carbon, energy or water use and improve uh, health and well-being. So the sustainability strategy should be included in the tender information or employees requirements and reviewed against the tender returns or contractor proposal for the sustainability outcomes. Uh, also mitigate or control as many building performance and climate change impact project risks as possible and identify strategies for managing those that remain and address the sustainability outcome targets against Part F, Part G and Part L of the building regulations and submit a building regulations application. Now moving on to stage five, manufacturing and construction. Uh, the key uh, teams that need to be involved at this stage is the construction team, which takes center stage with contributions from the client and design team, uh, depending on the procurement strategy and on how the client decides to review the construction quality as construction progresses. So the key aim and outcome from stage five is for manufacturing, construction and commissioning to be completed in accordance with the construction program agreed in the building contract. It should be made clear from the outset who is responsible for responding to site queries, for regularly reporting on construction quality, for inspecting the works and monitoring progress, and for producing the defects list prior to practical completion being certified. So the design team may be responsible for these uh, responsibilities uh, that produced um, stage two, three and four information, or it may be decided to appoint a separate standalone role or even the client team. So these roles should be clarified and updated within the responsibilities matrix. Uh, stage five would conclude with the issue of a practical completion certificate, allowing the building to be handed over. So a project team should be allocated the role of planning for handover at stage six. So on larger projects, a team might be formed to focus on tasks that will deliver effective performance and operation of the building in use, rather than on completing the construction works. So preparations for handover will, will include the building manual, the completion of verified construction information, a building manual, and maybe the delivery of asset information. There is a likely chance that stage four and five may overlap, and this should be dictated by the procurement strategy and project program. Now, when it comes to specific project strategy tasks, uh, I'll be expanding on cost, fire strategy, health and safety, inclusive design, planning, plan for use and sustainability. So starting with cost, the final cost plan determined from stage four will need to be monitored against any variations to the building contract and the relevant sections and or individual items. So any items outside the building contract will need to be managed and costed to align with the project budget. 
and interim valuations for payment for works completed will need to be prepared and issued as agreed in the building contract. Then for the fire safety, the fire safety requirements identified at stage four should be used to manufacture and construct the fire safety measures, informing operatives of the importance of proper workmanship, regularly inspecting the construction quality. Uh, here, make sure to check the insurers or warranty providers that may require to review and validate the works. So no safety measures should be outstanding in the defects list prior to practical completion being certified. Uh, any fire safety uh, site queries should be resolved and the necessary commissioning of fire protection and life safety systems should be undertaken, including fire detection, alarm and ventilation systems. So the fire safety information should then be updated and included within the building manual including fire safety specific commissioning and facilities management requirements. Next, when it comes to health and safety, uh, welfare facilities should be installed as per the construction phase plan and the building should be manufactured, constructed and commissioned in accordance with the construction phase plan and involve uh, operatives in developing, promoting and checking the effectiveness of measures to health and safety. Uh, site queries should have been resolved and updated and information to be included within the health and safety file, including relevant specific commissioning and facilities management requirements. This would conclude the health and safety file ready for inclusion within the building manual. Uh, next is inclusive design. So construction quality should be regularly monitored to determine compliance with the stage four design and information operatives of the importance of proper workmanship. Uh, site queries should have been resolved and access information for end users and occupiers should be prepared for inclusion in the building manual. Then when it comes to planning, um, at this stage, any outstanding planning uh, requirements should be finished off. Uh, and should comply with any planning conditions relating to any restrictions on the work or site logistics before work commences on, on site. So make sure that the building is manufactured, constructed, and its construction quality complies with the planning permission and any planning conditions. So prepare and submit applications to discharge any remaining planning conditions, making sure a copy of the consents are provided to the client. And looking ahead to the plan for use, determine that the building has been manufactured, constructed and commissioned to deliver effective performance and operation of the building in use. Then check that the data received are in the correct format, as was defined during stage three, to enable the commissioning of equipment required to monitor energy, water consumption and building comfort then consider any impact of variations to the design or the specification in terms of its building performance and whole, whole life cost. This should then also inform the record of performance risks uh, on site and use it to identify and avoid potential defects. Then this would allow for a smooth uh, handover process through careful planning of pre-completion activities to focus the client, the contractor, and the facility managers on the tasks that will deliver effective performance 
and operation of the building in use. Uh, and lastly, you will need to compile the asset information and data required for the effective performance and management of the building for the building manual. And lastly, looking into the sustainability strategy, uh, manufacture, construct and commission the building based on the sustainability outcomes established at stage four and commission all equipment for monitoring these outcomes. So review any construction stage changes and report and mitigate any deviation from the established sustainability outcomes and then compile the construction stage information required for their certification to demonstrate compliance then you would submit the final information for statutory approval and certification and implement handover and aftercare procedures. Then lastly, you would compile the asset information and data required for the effective performance and management of the building for the building manual. Now moving on to stage six, handover. Uh, the key people that need to be involved at this stage is the construction team and those responsible for administrating and closing out the building contract to complete uh, the project in stage six. So the project team will be required only for a project performance session. So the key aim and outcome from stage six is that the building is handed over, aftercare is initiated, and the building contract is concluded. So as architects, we rarely have the opportunity to be part of a stage uh, six, but I guess that does depend on the procurement strategy followed and if you are part of the construction team. So after the building is handed over at this stage, the construction team rectifies any residual defects uh, as promptly as possible. And usually 12 months after practical completion, the final certificate is issued concluding the contractual involvement of the design and construction teams. So although stage six commences after the building has been handed over, several tasks may need to commence during stage five to ensure that handover is as efficient and effective as possible. For example, training the users on how to use the building systems. Then another key task for this stage is to carry out a project performance session so that the project team can share their experiences for the benefit of future projects and initial aftercare tasks need to be initiated and completed. So the, because the project team will be interested in the feedback from a post-occupancy evaluation to be conducted once any seasonal commissioning has been completed so they can understand how the building is performing and whether the building and its systems are being uh, used as planned. So client design and construction teams uh, undertake repeat building types can gain enormously from this process by identifying trends across several projects. Now I'll be expanding uh, to specific project tasks when it comes to costs, fire strategy, health and safety, inclusive design, planning, plan for use and sustainability. So starting with cost, at this stage is when the contract sum is calculated and agreed as a progression from the cost plan control document or contractor's pricing document and original contract sum at the end of the defects period to settle the final account and to allow the final certificate to be issued. So a project performance session will then be undertaken so the final cost information can be used as feedback for benchmarking the estimating and planning of costs on future projects. Then for fire safety, 
The fire safety information will be handed over in the building manual to the client and the project's performance should then be reviewed to identify lessons learned on design and construction for fire safety from the feedback gathered. This will then help identify any relevant fire safety training and maintenance requirements and improve the relevant induction and training of building users and facilities managers. Then any new defects that arise should be closed out during the defects liability period and then you would undertake an initial fire risk assessment to gather feedback on the operation of fire safety design measures and management systems and building user behaviour. So when it comes to health and safety, this would be included within the health and safety file and handed over to the client alongside the aftercare for the health and safety of the facilities management team and the building users. So relevant health and safety training and maintenance requirements will also need to be identified at this stage in order to provide induction and training for building users and the facilities management team. So similarly to the fire safety, the project's performance should be reviewed to identify lessons learned on design and construction for health and safety from the feedback gathered and any new defects that arise should be closed out during the defects liability period. Then a seasonal commissioning of the new building should be undertaken in accordance with the requirements for managing health and safety uh, on the project to gather feedback on how facilities management and building maintenance is being undertaken in accordance with the health and safety file and update any information as required. Next on inclusive design, whereby the inclusive design information will be handed over in the building manual to the client to include the inclusive design principles and measures. So the project's performance should also be reviewed to identify lessons learned received from feedback on design and construction to meet the needs of all building users. Uh, induction training should then be provided for building users and facilities management team with reference to the inclusive design strategy, including disability awareness and access auditing. Then any new defects that arise should be closed out during the defects liability period and undertake a post-occupancy evaluation to gather feedback on how the building is performing to meet the needs of all building users. Then for planning, uh, at this stage, any outstanding planning conditions uh, with regards to preoccupation should be discharged before handing over and the client should be provided with copies of any planning consent notices and advise them on any specific use restrictions and hold a project performance session with the project team to gather their views on the planning process for the benefit of future projects. And looking ahead to the plan for use, the relevant user training and transfer of the building manual and asset information should be completed at this stage and provided to the facilities management. Then hold a project performance session with the project team to gather their views on the handover and integrating facilities management thinking from the start for the benefit of future projects. Then the progress of defect rectification should be reviewed alongside maintenance and energy monitoring at periodic aftercare meetings with the design team, contractor and facilities management. 
then begin gathering feedback through a post-occupancy evaluation of the project outcomes in use. So the building manual will then be handed over to the users and during seasonal commissioning, the operational system should be uh, fine-tuned and any defects should be closed out with reference to the sustainability outcomes. And lastly, looking into the sustainability strategy, a project performance session should be held with the project team to gather their views on the process of embedding the sustainability outcomes in briefing, design and construction and handover for the benefit of future projects. Then provide induction and training of building users and facilities managers with reference to the sustainability strategy and gather feedback through the post-occupancy evaluation of the sustainability outcomes in use. And moving on to the final stage, stage seven, um, which is use. Uh, the key people that are involved uh, and the key teams involved in this stage uh, will be those with ongoing use of the building, which involve the asset and facilities management to support the users of the building. So the design team and construction teams will no longer be involved, but design team members may be appointed separately to carry out post-occupancy evaluation tasks and some clients may require longer-term strategic advisors from specialists such as RIBA client advisors. So the key aim and outcome for stage seven is for the building to be used, operated and maintained efficiently. So similar to stage six, on the majority of projects the design team and construction teams will have no stage seven duties but both teams will still be interested in receiving ongoing feedback to help them understand how they might improve the performance of future buildings. So stage seven will start concurrently with stage six. And at this stage is when post-occupancy evaluation services will be commissioned to determine how the building is performing in use, uh, to help fine tune the building and inform future projects. So some client teams will continue to be closely involved during the life of a building implementing facilities management or asset management uh, strategies over the course of the building's lifetime. So the asset information and building manual may be updated on a regular basis and in the future a digital twin might be used to optimize the operation and maintenance of the building and to compare predicted performance with actual performance. So in some building contracts uh, maintenance obligations might extend beyond stage six where this is not the case, a new standalone maintenance contract might be set up. So this would require continuity of knowledge about how the building operates. So the asset information will need to be kept live and relevant throughout the life of the building. Now, when it comes to project specific uh, strategy tasks, uh, cost, fire strategy, health and safety, inclusive design, building plan for use and sustainability, uh, these should be considered in more depth at this stage. So starting with cost, uh, the final cost data is embedded from the completion of the construction phase and this will be added into a facilities management operating model for use in building maintenance, repair or renewal. So costs for any necessary detailed di diagnostics or forensic post-occupancy evaluation services uh, should be identified and operational costs should be monitored for inclusion in the whole life cost assessment and provide feedback on in-use costs as part of the post-occupancy evaluation. 
than for fire strategy. At this final stage, the fire safety strategy should be implemented by the facilities management alongside regular fire risk assessments to gather feedback on the operation of the safety measures and management systems and building user behaviour to inform any subsequent management, maintenance or refurbishment works. So the fire safety information should be regularly reviewed and updated to reflect any management, maintenance and refurbishment works and updates to the fire risk assessment. Next, when it comes to health and safety, similarly to fire safety, the management and maintenance of the building um, will be needed in a way that secures health and safety and should be implemented by the facilities management team and building users. So the maintenance of health and safety should be undertaken for the post-occupancy evaluation alongside regular reviews and updated to the health and safety file throughout the life of the building. Uh, under the inclusive design, the management and maintenance of the building um, will need to be managed in a way that meets the needs of all building users and it should be implemented alongside any adjustments or improvements that may be required to the building, such as day-to-day -day operations or policies to meet the needs of all building users. So the post-occupancy evaluation should capture the performance and review the asset in operation for inclusivity needs. Uh, for planning, um, you just need to make sure that the planning conditions have been discharged and, and to make sure they are being complied with uh, during use. For example, um, you might have a condition on operating hours, so you need to make sure that you comply with that planning condition. Uh, looking ahead to the plan for use, uh, facilities and asset management should be implemented in accordance with the plan for use strategy over the course of the building's lifetime. So findings from the post-occupancy evaluation should be implemented to fine-tune the building systems and facilities management to optimise comfort and performance of the building. Uh, you will also compare predicted performance with actual performance found from the post-occupancy evaluation to help optimise the operation and maintenance of the building. So live asset information for facilities management should be maintained throughout the life of the building to help later on if for any reason um, change of use is required or demolished or upgraded and so on. And lastly, looking into the sustainability strategy, any planning conditions with regards to sustainability should be complied with, for example, meeting ongoing renewable energy use requirements and use the post-occupancy evaluation to improve the performance of the sustainability outcomes against the sustainability outcome targets and keep the building manual up to date and should also report and mitigate any deviation from the sustainability outcomes and share feedback from lessons learned with the client, the users, design and construction team and project stakeholders. So to sum up what I discussed today, stage four is about developing the information required to manufacture and construct the building. This requires information from the design team and the specialist subcontractors, which are employed by the contractor, regardless which procurement route is used. On majority of projects, stage four and five run concurrently with a contractual firewall occurring midway through stage four, for example, on a two-stage design and build project. 
At this stage, it will typically be the design team and specialist subcontractors employed by the contractor that are involved. Stage five is when the building is manufactured and constructed. With the exception of resolving site queries, there should be no design activity at stage five. So at this stage, the construction team takes center stage and contributions from the client and design team will depend on the procurement strategy. Then stage six is when the building will be in use and the emphasis of the project team will have switched to closing out any defects and completing the tasks required to conclude the building contract. At this stage, the construction team and those responsible for administrating and closing out the building contract uh, will be involved to complete the project in stage six. And lastly, on stage seven is when the building is in use lasting until the building reaches the end of its life. And the project team's work concludes with the closing out of the building contract. Uh, This concludes today's episode and join me next week where we'll be discussing the RIBA's sustainability outcomes. If you would like to get in contact with me, please feel free to email me on the address provided in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening. This is an educational show aimed at supporting the future generation of architects. The information, opinions and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only and any reliance on the information provided in this podcast is done at your own risk. Please join me next week for some more part three with me time.